Hello and welcome back to RPG Quest, the podcast where we don't play D&D because we are playing Call of Cthulhu. My name is Chris, I am your host and keeper, and joining me on this scenario, uh, have you seen the yellow sign, is our investigator, Detective Jack Cassidy, aka Panda, aka Brendan. Welcome back. Yeah, really excited to, to uh, be back again. Let's see if we can uh, keep Jack sane or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you can go insane and still... Um, Still maybe save the day, we'll see. I don't know. Um, his methods are unorthodox, but damn, he gets results. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, where we last left Jack Cassidy, you'd just been in Trem, the, the sort of the voodoo area of New Orleans, looking into the origin of this, this symbol and this interesting person who you've had the pleasure of meeting, Papa Screech. Um, upon hearing the name Papa Screech, the uh, proprietor of this voodoo shop um, almost removed you entirely, didn't want to talk about them, but made it clear that this man is not a voodoo man. He's something else, a bokor, an evil um, operator. It's dark magic. She didn't identify this strange yellow sign, but she didn't like it one bit and confirmed that in her view, it's not, definitely not voodoo. Uh, so... Um, perhaps a little a little disturbing because at the same time you've also started seeing these signs uh, pop up as Mardi Gras decorations all around New Orleans during your investigation. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's really starting to grate on him. Like the, <laughs> the more of it he sees, um, and and walking out of that shop, especially um, after I guess what happened last session, um, her fear is big. Jack would kind of feel foolish for having put on that necklace starting to buy into maybe it is luck um and yeah how big was the one she gave him like i i think you described a like a bundle of rags but like how big was it is it something he could he could wear it's or? small very tightly wrapped like flannel yeah it's a, it's like a it's like a necklace made of flannel and the instead of a pendant it's just um almost like a wrapping um around the neck part that you could you could wear and tuck in under your um under your your suit and shirt okay he can wear it discreetly uh then yeah he's yeah. he's gonna switch him out um he he might even well uh might need it i think he like goes to smash the other one and then stops and thinks to himself like i i might need this as a calling card and like tucks it into um like his pocket put it away yeah no problem so i think you'd already um after investigating Dennis Bouchard, one of the members of this crew of swords, um, he invited you to Randall Fowler's uh, masquerade party, which is happening on Mardi Gras Day, which is still a couple of days away. It's only Monday afternoon now. Um, unfortunately, you um, did it under the guise of a of a uh, an alter ego, a uh, <laughs> an antique <Yeah>. salesman. <laughs> um, so turning up to Randall Fowler's house to investigate, kind of. It's a bit of a pickle now, as you've been pretending to be someone else. Um, but the other member of the crew of swords um, that you still haven't looked at is the oil roughneck, uh, Chet Creighton. There are two addresses for Chet. One is his home here in New Orleans. The other is his new 
oil drilling operation, Blackwater operation. It's up and running outside Huma, which is about 60 miles southwest of New Orleans. So a bit of a drive if you wanted to go check out that. But, you know, um, I don't know if there's much of a reason to do that. The time being, his home itself is um, closer in town. Yeah, um, I think uh, Jack gets back in the car, kind of, again, starts looking over his notes, um, thinks through um, a kind of a bit of what you have just discussed. Um, can't really see much reason to try to, to drive 60 miles out to his oil, his oil rig, at least not to start off. Like if he's not at home, then maybe, but you know, you don't start by driving an hour or two out first. Um, so he'll, he'll head to his house. I, I think that Jack is a little thrown off where he's had like some in, um, something he can kind of think of at least to like get in for a lot of these places. But with Chet, he doesn't really have anything popping to mind. Um, you know, he doesn't have oil money. Uh, but maybe it's time to just be a detective. Um, head over there officially. Cool. Yeah. So you're going to drive over to his home. There are also the offices actually as well in town of his um, oil company. Um, sorry, I should have mentioned. Um, just Creighton CC Oil Company on Canal Street. Yeah. And he has a home not far from the university. I mean, mentioning that, I, I think, again, since I do think Jack is not going to use the disguise on this one, he's just going to go in as an investigator. Uh, he's going to go to the offices because a home a home visit is a little <laughs> not quite as formal, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, let's let's head over to the offices. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, you drive down to to Canal Street to find the address of um, Creighton's Oil Company. I'm just gonna make a roll to see if he's there. And um, you walk into the building. There is a. Um, it's one of those buildings that has a couple of different offices across different levels, but you see it there, um, you know, uh, CC Oil Company on the placard. So, um, yeah, you get in the lift and, and head to the head to the right level as the elevator operator takes you up there. And um, as you uh, emerge on this floor, um, there is a, a secretary there um, behind a desk who uh, sort of looks up from her work and smiles at you. Ah, good afternoon, ma'am. Um, I am... Private investigator Jack Cassidy, uh, and I would like to speak to Mr. Creighton if he's in. Yes, one moment. Uh, do you have an appointment with Mr. Creighton? I don't, but I'd be happy to make one. Let me see. I'm sorry, what was this in regards to? Oh, it's uh, following up on something to do with a newspaper man passed away a couple days ago. Oh, I see. Right, one one second. Um, and she picks up the phone. So, so Mr. Creighton... Yes, there is a, uh, a detective here to talk to you um, about a... Uh, yes, newspaper man. That's right. Yes, no problem. I'll, um... Thank you. And she, uh, she hangs up. And um, she says, yeah, he, um... One moment, he has time to speak with you. Just, uh, just a minute and he'll be, he'll be right out. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, grab a seat if you like. Takes a seat. And, uh, yeah, a few moments later, um, you know, the, the, the frosted glass doors, like, beyond this room open up. And, um, yeah, you see this, this man. Um, he's not a, a tall guy, but he's, um, you know, a pretty rough customer. Early 50s, he's broad, muscular, 
He's got like close cropped reddish hair. He's got tattoos on his forearms. He's sort of rolled up sleeves. He's wearing a tie, but he's uh, not wearing it very well. And he sort of steps out and looks you in the eye. He says, ah, Jack Creighton. Yeah, Jack stands, you know, full height, uh, like make himself as big as possible, takes off his hat, throws his coat over his, uh, his arm, but smiles at him. Jack Cassidy. Just this large, meaty hand takes yours as he shakes it. He says, right, well, uh, come with me. You want to have a talk, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Better in private? Yeah, yeah, yep, follow me. And he sort of leads you back into this pretty sparse office um, and into a back office room. He throws open the door. And, uh, yeah, he gestures to a chair in front of his own desk that he steps behind and he sits down. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty bare. And he, uh, you know, leans back in his chair. So, uh, what's this about, huh? Oh, well, nothing good. Um... I mean, you know, young man died. He was uh, looking into you. I mean, I don't take too much stock in uh, his investigation itself, but I am following up on it, so figured it's best to come down and get the truth from the horse's mouth as it was. Don't know what truth you're hinting at, but uh, what can I say? Man passed away, had nothing to do with me. Oh, I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with you per se. Um, but he was writing a story about you. Again, I'm not here to accuse you of anything. That is not my intention. I'm here to find out why exactly he'd be looking into you. I mean, I got some notes. Uh, pull out his notebook. Um, not let him see the notebook and act like he's like reading through some things. Oh, yeah. All right. Chet Creighton. Rich. Oil roughneck. That's an interesting note. Uh millionaire overnight tough guy kind of look at him look him right in the eye yeah it don't seem that tough <laughs> you're like a puppy dog hey i just mean to say that i don't i don't think you're the kind of man who'd be threatening somebody maybe he got the wrong opinion of you that's all i'm saying give me a fast talk yeah <laughs> see if i can out intimidate him <laughs> 30 versus 70 hard success <laughs> <laughs> hard success he says yeah listen People around here all have sticks up their asses anyway. They get the wrong impression about people. Assume that you're uh, not worthy or something like that. Yeah, they all look down their nose at you. You probably know what I mean. Oh, I do. I do know what you mean. I, uh, I mean, I haven't experienced that too much in this city. But back in Chicago, uh, I know exactly what you mean. Seen a lot of people in my time and been judged by even more. So, I hear ya. Ah, like I said, you don't you don't look like you mean anybody any harm. Yeah, well, I have no idea why this guy was looking into the crew. No idea at all. I mean, I don't really have much to do with him anyway, you know? It's a lock, that whole thing. You know, way to get these snooty bastards to at least accept me. Well, that's fair. I mean, but look, right, like, I mean, like this says, I mean, his notes says as much as you can believe them. You became a millionaire overnight. You don't have anything to prove to these people. I mean, you've got the money. You already, I mean, earned your way in. Must have. It happened overnight. So why even deal with a lark of some rich boy's crew? Hey, listen. They don't see you as an equal unless you come from good stock, you know? I know how they feel about me. They still see me as some backwoods hick. 
Me. A veteran. Oh, you served. The Great War. What about you? Oh, absolutely. I was in the trenches. Well, how about that? Well, small world. Thank you for your service. Uh, you know, like literally salutes him. He's just feeding into it. <laughs> yeah, listen. I don't know what to tell you. Bouchard. Yeah, oh, he's a fun guy. Pretty boy. He's all right. Uh, don't know much about the other fella, Fowler. Only met him once. Yeah, I've, I've heard about Bouchard. Seems like he uh, he enjoys the finer things in life. Uh, Fowler, I, I don't know too much about. I heard there was some kind of tragedy. But, I mean, that's that's not something for me to discuss. And you, like I said, all I've heard, these notes, there is something, though. There is something I thought was kind of strange and best to ask you directly. This guy seemed to think that your crew is not just, as you said, some fancy. It's some kind of cult. I mean, you don't seem the type who'd be in a cult, would you? Come on. What exactly are you saying? Uh, again, I, this guy. Think you guys are some kind of, I don't know, religious fanatics? Something with voodoo? Something to do with, uh... Voodoo? Ah, uh, some guy named Papa Screech and... Chih. Yeah. Con man, more like. But hey, you know what? His boys do good work, so what can I say? Even if they do believe his witchy mumbo-jumbo. Oh, his boys, those, those are the ones making the flute. Yeah, working the factory. Yeah. You know, they work hard. They're tough. I respect that. Oh, fair enough. When it, when it comes to their, their beliefs, I mean, you don't really believe in that stuff, do you? Oh, <laughs> I mean, look, the things you've seen, the things I've seen, come on, you've seen them at the worst. Yeah. And he just leaves it at that. <laughs> yeah, there are enough horrors in this world. Don't need to start making them up. How about this? Look, I, I got these files. I mean, I'm being paid to follow up on this. I, I mean, you got to work for the money, right? That's how it goes. You got to follow what you got. What I'm seeing is a bunch of inconsistencies, and I'm seeing a lot of just noise. And for what I'm seeing, just sitting in front of me, a lot of this ain't true. So how about this? You tell me what it is that I should be reporting, right? What should this paper say? I don't care what you say or what you report on. It ain't got nothing to do with me, okay? And if you think it does, well, we're going to have problems. And he stands up. Oh, Jack, like, kind of stretches his neck a little bit and just tries to look as relaxed as possible, regardless of him standing up like, look, you and I don't have any kind of problems. It's the paper that's following up on this, and it's the paper I'm going to report to, so that's why I'm asking you how you want it to read. Because, uh, when it comes out, I mean, how many citizens are there that read the paper? Could really change a lot of opinions. Now... You could change that opinion for the better. Or you can stand there and try to flex in front of me and change it for the worst. Give me a fast talk. Oh, 79 versus 70. That's a fail. Let me look at my luck. Let's see how far I can push this luck. Oof. That's a big push. Uh Oh, you no, you know what? I made a mistake. There is an intimidate skill. Oh. This is gonna be intimidate. I'm I'm sorry. I'll allow you to re-roll that though. I won't take the Oh, I'll, I'll give you the option. We can take that 79 on an Intimidate, or I'll allow you to roll it again as an Intimidate. Hmm. 
I mean, looking at my Intimidate, it's a 15. Um, and part of me wants to be like, no, let's take the 79, even if it's the fail, but let's roll again. Like, I should have been rolling Intimidate to begin with, so I'll roll again. Yeah, that was my bad. Let's let's roll again. Yeah, 25 versus 15, that's a fail. Um, I'm still going to use my luck. Yeah? You're going to spend 10 points of luck? I'm dropping my luck from 31 to 21 to, to make that Intimidate work. Okay. Oof. All right. He, um, as you sort of, he sort of pauses for a moment, this stern look on his face. And then he starts kind of laughing. He says, for a second, I thought you were threatening me. Listen, I know that you're just doing your job, right? You got to put something in the papers. But you're not going to put my name in there. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Ain't got nothing to do with my business either, which I'm trying to do before you came in here asking questions. Oh, and he sits back down. Yeah, good. <laughs> oh, it absolutely doesn't have anything to do with your business, and I don't see any reason that your business should be involved. What it does have to do with is the honorable crew. And that will get published. Now, is your name in that? I mean, sounds like it's not from where I'm sitting. But if it's not, then it sounds like, I mean, Fowler, Bouchard, what other names are there? Who is in it? Here's the question. No, it's just us three. We got the officers in town. That's about it. Well, I mean, well, uh, what do we know about Bouchard, right? Well, he's, I mean, he's playboy anyway. Old money. I doubt a little bit of bad publicity won't hurt him too much. Fowler, you said you don't know too much about him, and from what I understand, he's been through a lot. Maybe, uh... Maybe we just leave you out of it. You tell me uh, a little bit about Ushard. What do you think? Well, I don't know what I can tell you other than you already know. But, uh, what I can tell you about Fowler, you mean? Yeah, I mean, either one. Bouchard, pretty boy, likes to ride around in that roadster. Been arrested a few times. You know, a couple of street races, chasing around. He likes to try and outrun the police. Fowler, I know, like I said, nothing about. Just about this screech's con man, voodoo witch doctor, and yeah, he hired those workers. Honestly, I don't know what else to say. Truthfully. Well, I, I mean, I believe you there. I, I'm sure you're being forthright. You just did say a whole lot about Bouchard there. Look, that's all I got left to ask, right? You're a busy man. I'm a busy man. What's with, uh, and uh, he's going to pull the symbol out of his pocket and put it on the desk and just kind of set it down matter-of-factly. What's this about? Why is uh, the Honorable Crew putting these up all over town and why is it painted on your float? As the design, I don't know. Screech's design. It's just part of the decoration, right? Fowler believes it's some kind of symbol of luck, but so I put it up, but I mean, I don't believe in that crap, so. You mean to tell me that you are bankrolling and backing some con man with some fake voodoo luck symbol what is a lark that don't that doesn't sound you you sound smarter than that come on you said you're being honest you calling me you calling me dumb no i'm calling you smart far too smart to be doing what you're saying you're doing so you said you're being honest be honest you're not you're not tricked by this con man no Come on now. I don't believe in that crap anyway, so who cares if it's all fake? It's just part of the festival. It's New Orleans culture. 
You know, there's plenty of crews. Why don't you go look into them? Yeah, well, maybe I will. I mean, if somebody pays me to. Right now, I'm being paid to look into you. And look, I can tell you're getting a little frustrated with this, uh, this exchange, and I'm trying to be as polite as I can. I respect you and your time. But again, if all this is a lark to you, then why are you wrapped up with some con man who's trying to push some legend about voodoo? That doesn't seem like a good look. It's the culture of the city, my man. Clearly not from around here. But this is the biggest party of the week. Well, all right. I guess I'll have to take that as it is. Let me ask you a hypothetical, though, before I go. Let's say Screech does whatever Screech is doing and runs some big con on the city, right? Something real big. Something that maybe hurts people or uh, changes the city itself. And you're left holding the bag. How's that going to look? What do you mean? Well, I mean, if he is a con man, I'm sure his interest extends much further than Fowler. Otherwise, he wouldn't be putting these uh, symbols all over the place. I mean, he must believe in it or he must think it is something. And he's obviously got you wrapped up in it. So when whatever he's trying to do happens, you think he's going to be around to take the fall or reap the windfall of whatever it is? No. Like you said, they don't accept you. They look down on you. You're their boy. Come on. You do believe in this stuff. <laughs> got a <laughs> got crazy in here. Huh? That's it. Yeah, well, call me crazy. But look, voodoo or not, he's going to do something. Let's say he's just a shyster. He's not doing it for uh, the joy of the city. He's going to get something out of it. No, he's doing it for Fowler's money. He's doing it for Fowler's money. Putting him in contact with his dead wife and kids. Fleecing that man out of his riches. Desperate man down on his luck. I mean, I tried to tell him, but what can I say? Huh? Money for him and his boys to work in that factory? I don't really care. You know, for me, hey, I get to rub shoulders with the, the fancy... I get to bring my wife to the parties. It's really all there is into it. And I won't take kindly if you still keep uh, digging around in my affairs. Understood? Yeah. <laughs> I think Jack just grins at him with that and nods. Understood. Um, can I do like a psychology check or something like that? Um, I think I have a feel on how he's going, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to leave it to die. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. 21 versus 55. Hard success. He is getting steamed. And I think you probably know that um, maybe just from the notes in this picture of this guy, that um, oh, he's had brushes with the law, business irregularities, that kind of thing. He doesn't want people poking around his business. It might be that. Um, and that's kind of like riling, riling him up. Yeah. It's a cutthroat industry, the oil industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think Jack has spent so much time over the last couple of days kind of trying to play nice and worm his way into things that he's he's ready to just be like, all right, I've got, you know, my finger on the pulse of this guy. Let's see how far I can push it. Um, especially if it's like he's obviously angry and he's willing to like, you know, 
probably beat my ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jackal grinned at him. That, that same reaction grin. Oh, I understand. Yeah. All right. Look. Like I said, you're busy. I'm busy. I got a whole bunch more leads to follow up. And just like tap his notebook a couple times. Put it in his coat. Well... I guess we'll uh, we'll see if the next one leads me back to you then. I'm sure once I talk to Screech, he'll just tell me to come right back to your door, won't he? Let's hope he doesn't. For your sake. <laughs> For my sake. Ah. Well, we'll see about that. Well. Oh. Wait a second. Sorry. I just noticed one of those tattoos. Y- you said you were in the service? Did you mean you did time? He sort of cracks his knuckles and stands up. Leave. Oh, I was just doing so. Well, I look forward to seeing you again. Like I said, next time I do, I'm sure all the fingers will be pointing at you. Because you're their fall boy. I'm glad you're happy with that. Put his hat on. (laughs) He, um, yeah, holds the door open for you. And as you exit the office, he slams it shut. You see a few people like that are working in the office kind of jump in their seat a little bit, kind of look over at you. Yeah, I mean, Jack just walks out smiling, like tips his cap to the uh, the uh, person at the front desk, um, heads out of the car. I mean, he, he talked enough. He, he ran his mouth a bit. Would have liked to have gotten more, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you... Um, know if there is much more than that yeah probably not um the stuff around his personal business is kind of unrelated to the to the goings on of of randall fowler and uh papa screech and the crew yeah all right um hmm so i think once he's back out in the car jack is like you know I've, i've basically run these leads um the last thing that he's got in his notebook that he's like okay this could lead to something, um, is the coroner that was mentioned by the last detective. But I'm feeling fairly certain. Uh, we go to the coroner, he's just going to say the same thing the gardener did. So I don't know if I want to uh, waste our time on that. Maybe he will just go back to the office, get all of his notes together, um, try to make a point of being like, you know, how people reacted Um and send that information over to the the newspaper guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, you have a you know a chat with um, Charlie Sundstrom as well if you want to um, over the phone. He seems kind of disappointed that you haven't sort of um, that you've just come out with sort of more questions than answered. But he's interested in this Papa Screech figure, and uh, you know. But um, again, he sort of reiterates to you that, like. There's a couple of, you know, different crews throughout the throughout the city. They're organizers of these um, you know, of the of the balls and the parade and the float. Um, it is something that's um, you know, frequented by uh the upper echelons of society and these spectacular parades, there's fancy masquerade balls, all that sort of stuff. It's all kind of nothing that's really sort of um jumping out to him yet as any sort of anything to really go on or write a story on. Yeah, I, I think Jack uh, just reiterates to him, like, "Look, this this is what I found out about the about them." Um, furthering on your your own writer's investigation, and I've got an invitation to this ball, so I'm going to be going to that. Um, 
but basically you might get a phone call from from one or two people who need help as well uh <laughs> and yeah I'm, I'm on it i'm looking into things um but you're right he, he didn't commit suicide something something happened i haven't gotten to it yet but you are right he just kind of says well keep digging hopefully you can find something yeah well i'll uh i'll keep at it and i'll uh keep you informed yeah all right um hmm. i think it's time to uh to talk to papa screech but Ooh. that will involve likely outing uh myself from that last disguise because it was a decent disguise but it wasn't you know like a full <laughs> a full face change or anything um so he might be pretty guarded from the minute i walk up but i do think um Jack will make sure that his his weapon is, you know, cleaned, loaded, ready to go. He's got all his files. He's got everything. Uh, he's going to bring the book with him mm. um, and his camera and head over to the warehouse. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, it's getting on in the afternoon as you head back through the streets towards the, um, towards the warehouse. But there are, um, you know, looking in from the outside, there seems to be a bit of activity in there. So there are still some workers, you know, um, inside seeing to, you know, decorations and all that kind of stuff. And actually, as you drive down the street to get there, you notice again amongst other decorations, like a banner tied up on the wall of a building featuring the yellow sign. Yeah, uh, I've like... How high up is it? I mean, is it like hung up from a roof or is it just on a wall? It's like hanging from the, the roof of a building, like down over the wall. Yeah. I mean, Jack stops. Um, and if he can if he can get to it from, from like, I don't know, <laughs> a ladder or climb on the roof of his car or whatever, he's going to tear it down and toss it in his trunk. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, give me a luck roll. I want to see if there's something nearby that you can move to, to get up there. <laughs> That's an 86 versus 21 fail. No, even the lowest part of this banner is um, it's too high up without having to like climb up this building and, and like sort of getting up on the roof and taking it off, um, which seems a little difficult. Don't know how to get access to this roof. And, you know, there are other kind of banners and kites and posters and stuff around as well. There's people sort of around, you know, as they're like you know, celebrating and dancing through the streets this afternoon. Yeah, he, <laughs> I guess he like becomes frustrated for no apparent reason, pretty much, because it's just a sign, right? Um, and we'll look around to see if there's anybody who's like hanging a sign and like point at that one and be like, take that shit down and get, get back in his car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You you just yell up at the window (laughs) nearby and this person just looks confused. Um, as you jump back in the car and continue driving on. Yeah. Um, so you get back to, um, yeah, the the warehouse. You see plenty of these workers in the main room. You can even like hear them, the hum of machines, and and yeah, the 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 front door is closed, but not like chained up and padlocked like it was at night. Yeah, hmm. how's he gonna approach this? Um. Yeah, no, I, no need for uh, disguises. I've already like you know multiple times used disguises on this one guard in here. <laughs> Uh, and one against Papa Screech. No, he just... Uh, Jack just walks up to the door and, and does the cop knock, like the very authoritative, like, three quick, you know, taps on the door. Um, 
and probably stands back and just waits. Yeah. Um, the the front door opens up. You don't recognize the person who opens it. Um, you see this large figure in in work gear, scudneering on. You know this 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 broad man. He sort of throws open the door. And he says, uh, "Yeah, what can I do for you?" Yeah, I'm here to see Screech. Here to see Screech, huh? Yeah. And who are you? Oh, I'm Detective Jack Cassidy. And who are you? He just sort of stops and, and turns and walks um, back into the offices. You can kind of see with the door open. Um, he walks back to where the office door is and knocks. And you can see just um, beyond like the little window that leads into the, the office there through the blinds, actually two figures. One of them you can't make out. Um, seems to be like a, an older white guy wearing a suit. You just see the back of him. The other one, Papa Screech, who... Um, opens up the door. There's a few words exchanged. The guy nods his head towards you. Papa Screech looks at you, recognising your face, standing there in the doorway. And he uh, steps out and begins walking towards you. He says, uh, Tobias Jones, back again, huh? Yeah, yeah. No need for uh, Tobias Jones today. Jack Cassidy. Puts his hand out to shake. He, um, you know, reaches his hand out and grabs yours. He doesn't shake, but he just holds your hand. He says, Jack Cassidy, what was with the pseudonym? Well, um, at that point, I thought it was best if I didn't uh, bother you too much and I just drop by and see if uh, a lot of the things that I was reading and looking into were basically bullshit. But, Man, I have heard so much about you the last couple days. I thought it was time I just come down and be honest. Let's meet each other face to face for real. Pop Screech. Boku. And you see his, um, you know, demeanor completely, um, shifts. So, what is it that you want, Mr. Cassidy? Well, I mean, what I want... Is truth. I want to understand what all this is about, what's going on, why that poor guy died. I want to know why you handed me a curse, why you're hanging up all over this town. I want to know why you're uh, trying to convince this guy that you talked to his dead wife and child. But most of all, really, all I want to do is talk. I mean, he could bullshit me all day. I don't think you want to anymore. So... What, you're some, uh, you're some powerful magician? Is that the truth? I'm a voodoo practitioner, and I've been glad to help Mr. Fowler communicate with the spirits of his dead wife and daughter. I've been accepting only food and shelter in exchange for it. Now, I know nothing about this dead reporter. I never met the man but I was told by Mr. Fowler, who did, that he believed that I was after Mr. Fowler's fortune. Oh. (laughs) I was never after that. Listen, I don't think you're after money. I don't think you're some simple con man, and I also don't think you're a voodoo practitioner, as I've been told otherwise. I think what you're interested in is something quite different. 
I'm not going to stand here and call you con man. Let's just say, maybe I believe you actually have some power. So, we going to talk, or I'm going to stand here with my foot in this door all day? We can talk here. Is that Mr. Fowler back in the office? Is that why you don't want to go back there? He kind of looks back. Give me a psychology roll. Yeah. Oh, crit success. One versus 55. It definitely is. You can see it on his face. He doesn't uh, acknowledge it. But his eyes sort of, you know, narrow as he looks at you. And you sort of get this this contempt. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, plain as day. See it written on your face. Look, I'm not going to vanish. I'm going to keep turning up like a bad penny, as they say. All I want is the truth. I'm not trying to out you. I'm not trying to say that you're trying to screw somebody over or you're a con man. I don't think that. What I want to know is what's the truth about the Yellow King? Yellow. Yellow King. He shakes his head. Pull out the book. Don't hand it to him. Just show it to him. What is it? Ah, well, this is, uh... Apparently the story of the Yellow King, about a place, Carcosa, about, uh, I guess a changing of the times, and that little symbol of luck that you're just painting all over the place out of the goodness of your heart for all these people that you gave me. Well, I mean, you can see it clearly here, right? Tap on the symbol. And, and like, again, keep pointing it at him. Huh. Maybe I saw that in passing then. And it came back to me in a dream. Here I was thinking I was being original. (sighs) Come on. You can't have both ways. You can't know nothing. And speak to the dead and know everything. I only know what the spirits tell me. And what's that? It depends on who I speak to. (laughs) How about this then? What did the spirits tell you about me? Uh, I don't know. I haven't asked them, but I know what I see. And what's that? I see a broken, sad man, desperately trying to do something important in his life. So much so that he sees conspiracy or mystery or puzzles when there is none. All I am was a man trying to help another man. Oh. I think Jack's uh, actually shaken by that. Like, I'm not sure how to convey that on a sheet or a roll, but like, I I think that actually, like, <laughs> you know, that was a solid, a solid slap. <laughs> well, maybe your eyes haven't failed you yet. I'm not going to say what you're saying is wrong, but there's something here. That man fell as if thrown from a plane. He didn't jump off a building. Now, I've talked to half the people connected with the Crew of Swords. I've gone far and beyond what you might think looking into this. And it's not in my own mind. Hmm. Mind is a strange thing. Fine, let's shift gears. How about this? Why don't you tell me about what happened in the swamp? 20 years ago and why if I go down to Trem 
those who actually practice voodoo are scared of your name. <laughs> Trim. They don't know voodoo. They don't know what it can do. People like to paint me as a villain. I'm not a villain. Well, then what are you? I am exactly what it says on the label. Papa Screech. Ah, well, this is our problem. The label says con man. They're all calling you a con man other than Fowler. Creighton call you a con man. Bouchard thinks you're a con man. All my files pointing to you being a con man, and I don't want to believe that. Call me crazy, but I actually want to believe that you have tapped into something. Now, whether that is evil, or whether that is voodoo, or whether that is whatever the hell we want to call it, I, for one, don't think you're full of shit. So, you can be full of shit, and I can just walk away and you're full of shit. Or, you're not. So, what is it? <laughs> Do you believe that people can come back from the dead? <sighs> Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. A week ago? Hell no. Today, I don't know what I believe. Well, Mr. Cassidy, maybe you'll see it. Maybe you'll witness a miracle when I make it happen. And he smiles at you. Yeah, I think like a shiver goes up Jack's spine and he like wants to smile back at him but can't even stomach to do so. Um... And tries to get out this confidence, but is so shaken by this interaction, because, I mean, again, Papa Screech really is just laying it out there, uh, and says to him, oh, yeah, all right, so that's what this is about. You're going to perform a miracle, and you need all these symbols everywhere to do it. What if it's not a miracle? What if what you bring is what this book describes? Death and destruction, and the end of... The city that was the start of something much more terrifying. It kind of pauses for a moment and thinks, Well, let me ask you something. Let's say you lost your wife and children. And he sort of narrows his eyes and he says, Oh my God. You have, haven't you? Oh, shit. <laughs> like, I actually got goosebumps at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack looks at him and narrows his own eyes. Uh, so maybe I did. Well, would you not do anything to get them back? I do a lot of things, but I wouldn't do anything. Some things ain't right. Some things, well, you can never come back from. Well... Some people aren't willing to take the final step. I guess there are others that are. I would wager that when push came to shove and that door was open for you, you would step through it yourself. But then again, I'm not a gambling man. Well, all I can say is I feel like we're uh, about a about an impasse here. Although, we know one thing. 
you've seen me and I've seen you. Neither of us are just going to walk away from this and stop. That about right? That's about right. Well, then I'll see you on the other side. And, like, give him a, you know, offer his hand again. He, uh, takes your hand. And, yeah, this time he shakes it. He says, um, I respect you. I really do. Be such a shame if something were to happen to you. <laughs> Jack, like, laughs at that. Straight up laughs. Uh, yeah. Such a shame. Such a shame if some fucking down on his luck, lost, drunk detective were to befall some horrible fate. That would be a shame. You know, it'd be even more of a shame if all his notes and all his information was printed tomorrow. And everything you got going on just crumbled around you. think that might be a little worse. No one's going to mourn some detective. They might mourn the falling of uh, an oil lord. Some gangster baron rose from nothing. A debaucherous millionaire riding through the streets, running from the cops in his roadster. Obviously corrupt. Some sad, lost man got nothing left being led on by a shyster. And those three can take down the city? Now that's a shame. If you think I have any sympathy for the wealthy white man, well, it's almost enough to make me laugh. I hope you have a good day, Mr. Cassidy. And you too, Pop Screech. And yeah, if you let him, he's going to close the door to the warehouse, leaving you on the other side. Yeah. As uh, as he closes the door, uh, Jack is going to try to get like one last glimpse inside to see if he can spot anything interesting, like a nice point of ingress or, or anything at all that could be useful later. Give me a spot hidden. Oh. T- <laughs> yeah, 10 versus 50. Extreme success extreme as the door closes and it's obvious as why no one's noticed this in the little um grate below the door like you know it's got the rubber bottom that seals in tight on the warehouse door to block out the noise fallen into the tracks where the doors close is a nice looking pen and you see that it's stained with blood Ooh chance to snatch that up before uh, the door closes? Yeah, you just, um, you know, sort of do a little subtle turnaround and Papa Screech sort of turns around and walks back towards the office and as his back is turned, you just quickly crouch down and yoink it up. And as you um, look at this uh, this golden silver pen, you see the initials in it are P-R-G or Peter Gavin. Interesting. All right. Yep. Um, pop it in his uh, his breast pocket, trying not to, you know, mar anything on it. Then I guess head back to the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sort of um, head back and hop in your car, and 
maybe just spend a moment to gather yourself and, and catch your breath. Yeah, come down from the adrenaline high of, of you know, just going like, you know, horn to horn with uh, this really creepy guy. Uh, yeah, again, take some notes. Look at the pen. Um, I imagine in the 20s, the, it'd be real hard to prove if it's his blood or anyone else's, but I also don't think that was going to be a big argument. Uh, I also don't think probably there's a lot to do with like fingerprints or anything, but he will make sure that the pen like stays in the same form he found it um, to be able to, I don't know, be submitted for evidence or something later. Mm -hmm. Certainly it um, assures him that like, yeah, he did not die on that roof. Something happened here. Something definitely happened. So um, Jack is at a bit of a impasse, right? Um, I think if he continues kind of chasing his tail after this, especially after this meeting um, and following leads, he's going to get more and more aggressive, like a dog with a bone. Um, and I'm not sure how much that will serve him or the actual investigation. Um, especially because I think, in my mind, like probably the biggest thing on his mind right now is he has to show up at that masquerade ball and he needs to be ready like to just blow the whole thing wide open <laughs> you know uh, so maybe he's gonna spend some time just trying to like destroy all these symbols he can over the next day or two um, which may not be the most engaging thing um, to just describe as he drives around and te tears down a bunch of signs <laughs> but I think that's what he would be doing yeah the actions of a truly insane and desperate man <laughs> yeah. as you sort of drive around and begin tearing these symbols down. I mean, it's easy to say that you spend the rest of the afternoon um, and evening doing that. Um, it becomes a little bit harder as, you know, the night uh, falls up with um, street revelers and, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, you manage to take down what flags and banners, placards that you see around the around the city just kind of... Uh, driving at first and then resorting to walking as, um, you know, these people are all through the streets. <laughs> I guess before, um, before heading home, kind of later in the evening, as you start to, to feel yourself getting tired. Yeah, like I think when he gets back to the office, um, again, pr probably pretty shaken by some of the shit that uh, Papa Screech said he will fall into a bender at, at this point he's just gonna start drinking whether he sleeps or not yeah no problem um yeah you um you know you take out a bottle of spirits and begin drinking yourself into into a stupor um maybe not even on the couch kind of sitting at the on the on the, the office chair behind the desk you begin to doze off for a moment and uh, as you do, you begin to have this quite vivid dream. You see a city beside a dark lake beneath a, a, a starry sky. And there's this yellow fog that begins to, to creep across the lake as you're standing on one side of it. You see it drifting outwards from the lake, both towards you and towards the city, obscuring the city and its lights 
until you know it's almost completely engulfed by this this fog as this fog spills out towards you as well give me an idea uh, give me a um intelligence roll oh 97 versus 70 that's a fail that's fine the fog um begins to turn an ash gray and then begins to recede leaving no lights in the the darkened ruins of this city um the sky is now gray as well studded with stars instead of shining brightly they're now like black diamonds and you see three pale moons that glare down at you and glare down on the city and you recall that from the play that this uh city in the play had these three moons and uh as you kind of look down you know you 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 hear the 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 eerily churning waters of the lake that begin to lap at your feet and then you you know you wake up (laughs) give me a listen roll 30 versus 55 that's a success you swear you hear footsteps kind of moving quickly like running down the hallway away from your front door oh he he grabs his uh, service weapon off the desk that he probably cleaned the night before and busts out the door yeah um you throw open the door and as you look around you don't see or hear anyone oh man um i mean he's gonna run down the hall trying to follow this sound whether whether he heard or sees anything when he actually busts out like he's convinced from what he just heard that someone is here someone is trying to get away and he's gonna run you know probably like half dressed still drunk half asleep with a gun in his hand down the stairs (laughs) yes um give me a dexterity roll i'm gonna say it a penalty um being uh in a sort of a drunken stupor and still half asleep yeah absolutely uh, oh shit uh so of those two the worst was uh on the nose 60 versus 60 success cool yeah you um you charge down the stairs you don't trip you don't fall you you rush all the way out um down outside and throw open the front door and look out onto the street um and as you sort of look around you see a few lingering sort of drunks see a few people playing some music like a little street band you don't see anyone running away yeah i think with that like jack kind of gets a hold of himself and has a moment of clarity and realizes that he's just standing in the street in the morning with a gun out um holsters his weapon and hangs his head and (laughs) slowly makes his way back up to the office kind of probably internally struggling with like am i fucking insane what's going on I heard something. I know I heard something. And, um, yes, you sort of slump back up the stairs and throw open the doors to this office office and kind of step in. Give me a spot hidden. 22 versus 50, hard success. I'm rolling way better this game. Cool. Nice. As you step into the room, um, fortunately you see it first, just on the floor in the center of this office, a venomous snake, a cobra. Just in the middle of the room. Oh, no shit. And it kind of begins to move towards you. He takes the shot. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Firearms roll, please. Handgun. Oh, there it is. 84 versus 35. Fail. 
cool, you fire, you know, fire off one round at this stake. And then upon hearing that, it kind of jumps up and it lunges, lunges towards you. All right. It's got a 40 on fighting. As it kind of like does a little and like lunges at you, it doesn't bite you, giving you a chance to act again. Yeah, he's going to wheel back and like with an elbow knock like the, the hat rack onto this cobra and try to take the next shot. Yeah, of course. You knock over the hat rack kind of in the way between you and it. Make another firearms roll. A handgun roll, sorry. Oh, there it is. All right. 25 versus 35. Success. Yeah, as you finally shoot this snake. There's blood. Smoke wisps up from the carpet. As you look down at the splattered dead snake. Yeah, I I think Jack is like almost shaking um, and immediately... Probably pops the, like the, well, it's a revolver, not a, a nine, so he doesn't pop the clip out. Um, holsters his weapon and slowly steps up towards the snake that's now, <laughs> I mean, shooting a snake with uh, 38 at that range, it's, it's probably mostly just gore, but picks it up and starts looking it over, making sure it's real. It's certainly real. And as you pick this thing up and look at it, and maybe with one glance back out, you know, at the open door, um, you actually can see now with the light from the, the lamp illuminating the, the front door that painted in yellow on your front door as well is this, this symbol, the yellow sign. And yeah, that's where we're going to leave it. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is a hell of a moment. Very nice. Awesome. Well, let's see. Papa Screech versus Detective Jack Cassidy. Who's going to win? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the Cobra almost got me, so as much as I hate to say it, I might be in Screech's corner on this one. <laughs> well, we will find out uh, when we return for the next episode. Yeah. See you next time, man. Bye. Bye.